Fifth Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What's up, everyone, and welcome in. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And before we get started on this week's episode, the second round is in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. To give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day. The best part is that it's free to play. DraftKings free to play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Laura, what a day it's been. It has truly, truly been a day. And yes, all of you heard that correctly. That was the dulcet tones of Columbus Blue Jackets legend in arena host our new best friend, Mike Todd, who so graciously donated his voice to our brand new intro. Um, We could not love it anymore. And even more special is you are also turning into a very special episode where we sat down with Mike Todd himself to learn about his life within the Blue Jackets franchise. Um, what he does outside of the rink, and so much more. It was truly a remarkable experience for Jeremy and I. But but before we get to all of that, we want to talk a little bit about the big day that we had here at Subjectively Speaking and how excited we are um, for a new little venture. Yeah, so Laura couldn't have said it better. It is just such an exciting day. And and being able, you all are in for a treat, like, Mike Todd is everything that you expect and more, uh, you know, in this interview, we had so much fun sitting down with him and chatting about, about all the things that Laura mentioned, but yeah, we are officially part of the hockey podcast network. So you are listening to our first episode on the hockey podcast network. We're presented by DraftKings. So a lot of really cool, fun things here at, uh, here at subjectively speaking, I have to say, Laura, that when, I thought about what would happen with this podcast. Um, I never thought our first ad, I never thought our first ad read would be for DraftKings. Um, that's promo code THPN. <laughs> um, but how exciting. It's been five months. We've been doing this for five months. And this little show started as a way for you and I to 
do something that we we in the rest of the world uh, were, um, you know, unable to do for so long. And that was just to sit in a car together and on our way home from a Columbus Blue Jackets game to just reflect on what we had seen, whether that was good, bad, you know, listen to the post game show on 97.1 or wherever. Um, that's how this started. It started as a shower idea where I was like, this is something I want to do with my best friend. And here we are five months later, signed on to a hockey podcast network. Laura, you didn't, you didn't watch hockey four years ago. Like that's where we are. Like, that's great. Like the, like us being like, this is so much fun. We're so excited. And yeah, I'm, I could ramble on about this for days. I just feel so grateful for this opportunity. And I'm so glad to be a part of the hockey podcast network. Yes, me too. I echo everything 100%. We could not feel more privileged to have been sought after by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every single person we've worked with so far has been so incredible. Um, Our fellow podcasters um, from all the other shows on the network have just been so welcoming and we can't wait to um, meet more of you, hopefully some in person one day um, as things start to open back up. Um, also do some collaborations down the road with hopefully some fellow Metro Division podcasts um, and see if we can't talk a little rival hockey uh, as we, we build this little, um, this little house um, of subjectively speaking fans and friends. Um, but truly this, neither of us thought five months ago, five months and 48, 49 episodes ago that this would be where we were at and growing something that we both love to do so much. Um, And just bringing our friendship, um, our hockey ideals, our passion for the city of Columbus and our passion for bringing more fans into the sport of hockey. Um, We are the the Columbus Blue Jackets podcast for all fans, um, regardless of how long you've known and loved them and felt the hurt that they often provide. Um, But we just could not be more excited for what's to come. And again, to our friends at the Hockey Podcast Network, thank you so much for this opportunity. And we can't wait to grow with you guys too. So in true subjectively speaking fashion, we sat down to record this episode with Mike Todd. um, And no sooner did we close out, did we find out that the Blue Jackets had hired Brad Larson to be their head coach. So we went ahead and we recorded for the first time, we recorded a live podcast. And so that's going to be posted here in the next couple of days as our next episode. So we definitely say some of the same things about how grateful we are about the Hockey Podcast Network, but you've been here for the long run. Y'all love us. So just grin and bear it through that. and It'll be great. We appreciate you. But Enough from Laura and I, the real, the real star of this podcast today is Mike Todd. Um, So we're going to go ahead and play that for y'all. We hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Mike Todd is nothing but the best at what he does and, and honestly is an incredible person. So please enjoy our interview with Mike Todd. All right, everyone. So Mike Todd began his career as the in-arena host with the Columbus Blue Jackets in 2003. Before he heads to the arena, Mike is the owner of multiple Dairy Queen locations in the Pickerington and the East Columbus area. And on days where he's not making us feel at home at Nationwide Arena or serving up some killer blizzards, he works as a sideline reporter for the CW Columbus. Mike, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, guys. It's an absolute honor to join you. Thank you so much. 
Yes, I cannot tell you how excited we have been ever since um, we decided to shoot our shot and ask if you could be on the podcast. Um, we are both huge fans of yours. Um, Thank you. Uh, but to get us started, uh, can you walk us through what it was like becoming the in-arena host for the Columbus Blue Jackets? Uh, the Mike Todd origin story. Okay. So back in 2003, as Jeremy mentioned, um, a friend of mine, Dee Dee Bowers, who is still a Blue Jackets season ticket holder, she saw a posting on the website for in-arena host. And up to that point, I had worked in radio at times and had been a DJ uh, for weddings and corporate events up to that, till that point. That was 2003. So by I think like 16, 17 years, I'd been doing that. She says, well, you know, you ought to try out for that, that Blue Jackets thing. You, you might be pretty good at that. So I said, okay. And uh, me and a group of other people went and auditioned for it. And they narrowed it down to three people. And then each of us worked a preseason game and then the rest is history. And I will be starting my 18th year with the organization this upcoming season. That's awesome. I have to know the, the wedding DJ gigs. Did you have a DJ name or just, just, just went with uh, my company, which I actually still, it still exists. It's called Buckeye mobile music. Um, but it basically just exists like any announcing gigs. I get that's the, that's that's the that's the that's the storefront that I use. So, but yeah, did Buckeye Mobile Music and DJ to gajillion weddings and all kinds of corporate events, and that really prepared me for the environment of being an in-arena host in a professional sports environment. Uh, just having to think on your feet, having to please the crowd, making sure everyone's happy, being upbeat and energetic all the time. Uh, it, it really, really was, was beneficial for me to, to feel more comfortable, uh, at least in the beginning, of becoming the in-arena host for the Blue Jackets. Okay, tougher crowd, weddings or Nationwide Arena on some nights? Ooh, that's a good one. Once again, it depends on the crowd. You know, there were, there were nights when a wedding where you could do no wrong and every song you played, everybody got up and danced. And then there were nights where just, Nobody wanted to dance and you didn't take it personally. You just kept playing the music and you just, you just did the best that you can. And the same thing at a blue jackets game. There were nights where, I mean, if, if we're winning, you know, the, uh, the Montreal game where it was what 10 to nothing. I mean, once again, I, I could have, you know, I, I could have done whatever and people would be like, Oh, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen, you know, but then there, there are the dark times when the jackets weren't so good and, and it didn't matter what you did somebody hopped on the internet after the game and said, boy, that Mike Todd, he stinks. He's the worst in the world, you know? And it's just, so it, it, once again, this depends on the evening, uh, what, what kind of reaction you get from the crowd. No doubt. So obviously like the crowds, like you said, they vary. Is it easy for you to tell like from the jump of the game, what the crowd is going to be like? I mean, obviously the, the play is going to determine a lot of that, but um do you feel the difference in a crowd on a Thursday night versus a, you know, a Saturday evening or? It depends. You know, there, there are times when maybe, you know, during the beginning of the season, there's that, there's that excitement, that anticipation. So it's really electric. And then, you know, if it's later on in the season, depending on how we're doing, if we're playing against, you know, it just depends on who. It seems like we always get up for for the big name teams, the the Pittsburgh Penguins, the 
the Nashville Predators, the New York Rangers, whatnot. Um, but, you know, for the most part, you know, the fans are always into it. And I think that's one of the things I always try to impress upon people who aren't from here. It's like, listen, guys, you know, we're happy to be here and we're happy to cheer on our Blue Jackets. And no matter what day of the week it is, no matter who we're playing, you know, we're cheering on our team and we're trying to have a good time and at least, you know, forget about life for two and a half, three hours and just enjoy a good hockey game and a good experience. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, Jeremy and I, we, you know, also we've started this podcast because of, you know, missing out on those opportunities of going to games this year, but also because Jeremy indoctrinated me into hockey. I sports was not a part of my life um, in the slightest until uh, three and a half years ago um, when he needed an extra plus one for his season tickets. So, um, and I quickly drank the Blue Jackets Kool-Aid and uh, I have a a fifth line tattoo. So um, they are permanently embedded on my body. (laughs) Um, Nice. (laughs) And uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely a place like we always tell people when we bring them to games, like regardless of how the Blue Jackets are doing, you're going to see fans that are happy to be there and happy to participate in what's going on in the arena, you know, happy to just see the different things that we have, of course, the cannon and, you know, the, the mural of hats um, from hat tricks and all that sort of stuff. Um, but speaking of in arena entertainment, what is your favorite in-game, you know, contest or game that you host, if you have a favorite? Oh, it's hard to tell. Um, I really enjoy interviewing the little kids during the intermissions when they do the future jackets. I think those are really cool just because there's such a level of uncertainty. You're not sure what they're going to say. And so, you know, you'll ask, and this is the one that's popping into my, in my head right now. I remember talking to a kid, it's like, you know, well, well, Skippy, you know, what's something your coach has told you that has really stuck with you and makes you want to play hockey better. And he was like, uh, nothing. You know, and, and, the, and the whole crowd bursts out laughing or something like that. So those are always fun. I do love when we do the uh, Myers Jewelers, uh, what's it called? The uh, pressure luck where they've got to go over, they got to say no amies and they got to stop because I want them to win. That's the one thing is no matter what the contest is, by golly, I want them to win. I want them to take home whatever cool stuff we're giving away. And you've been to enough games, you realize that most of the time I'm going to give it to them anyway. Whether, whether they whether they win or lose. And that, it's funny because some people say, well, fans, you know, should I give them the prize? And the bunch of them are like, no. And I'm like, oh, stop it. I'm going to give it to them anyway. So, you know, that's, that's a lot of fun. Uh, just the joy, you know, the true joy when someone really wins something or they've done something really well. Uh, it, it's a real kick for me. So I'm just, any game where the, the fan wins something, it's, it's my favorite. No doubt. So you, you brought up the future Jackets games, and obviously that was something that was missing this year um, as a result of the different protocols uh, in Nationwide Arena. So one, how much did you miss that part of the game this year? And, and two, could you kind of fill us in on, on what you were doing for the Jackets prior to fans being welcomed back into Nationwide Arena? So I'll take the second question first. So I knew that when we knew that there was going to be a season, there weren't going to be fans to begin with. And I thought to myself, well, I mean, they're not going to need an arena host because there's going to be no one there to really interact with. So I got a a call from Derek Dolly, who is my uh, 
who's my boss of the Blue Jackets. He's the head of game presentation. He said, would you be interested in doing the synthetic crowd noise? Because they were, they at least wanted to create the atmosphere for the viewing public, whether they were viewing it on television or, or listening to it on radio, they wanted it to sound, sound like, you know, it was an in arena experience. So I jumped on that. Uh, it was something different, something out of my comfort zone, but I trained for a week and did, I, I think I did 10 simulated games where I was watching game footage and I was, was running. And there's a, there's a video, I think it's on Bally Sports, uh, Dave Metzel did on me, um, that kind of shows you the ins and outs, but there are two color-coded keyboards and reacting. The great thing about this year with that was I got to watch every second of every home game this year. Now, results notwithstanding and, and everything that's that's taken place since then, but I I considered it a treat. I was like, you know what? Enjoy this because, you know, even though it's kind of weird and there's not a lot of fans here, enjoy this because you're able to see every single second of every single game. So I was allowed to not only work the game, but also truly be a fan. When I'm the arena host, you know, I'm moving to the next part of the of the arena, trying to figure out what the next contest is going to be, things that, you know, just, just doing different things. This, I had a, a great seat in 117 where the organ um, normally is. So I got to see every game. Now, as far as fans not being there to begin with, it was strange because I would always start the crowd noise even before game time started. And then the weird thing was, after finishing all that crowd noise during the game, as soon as the game was over, they told us, listen, we want you to make sure you bring down all the crowd noise so that they can hear them when they're interviewing them through the media. So I would turn off that crowd noise and it sounded like an empty gym. And there was just echoes everywhere. And you're like, boy, this is odd. So when the fans came back, oh, you know, even though it was only 4,000 fans, th this massive void was filled. And it actually made my job a little easier with the crowd noise because before I was pressing every single reaction, every ooh and every ah. And when the fans came back, I just had... I just had a little, I just had to do a little bit of crowd noise. Uh, the, the analogy I use is before the fans came back, I was the entire pot of spaghetti. And then when the fans came back, I was just the Parmesan and the oregano. Um, so it was great. It was great having the fans come back in. It was great seeing people, uh, you know, even though we were still socially distanced and wearing masks and whatnot, but it made me appreciate how much the fifth line brings to a game and how much any fan base brings to any kind of event, whether it be a sporting event, something in the arts, just the, the ability to, even if there's not a direct connection, there's this implied connection between the fans and the performers or the athletes that really provides that extra level of energy. Uh, and once again, once, once things are, are back to, you know, somewhat normal and, and hopefully you know this fall when the season starts again we'll all be able to be back together and boy I can't wait for that that's going to be incredible yes we were two of those 4,000 fans on that first game back um because March 2nd is my birthday ah, happy I, <laughs> thank you I could not have cried more than the day that they announced that the first game with fans was going to be my birthday um, and it was also 
366 days exactly since the last game we had seen because my birthday game was the March 1st Vancouver game. Oh, yes. Last home game before um, the COVID shutdown. So we were trying our darndest to help you out with the the sound. Um, You know, we had really nice seats right behind the goal. Cam scored right in front of us in that very first period. He's my favorite, so I was over the moon. but yeah, we were we were definitely trying to help you out um, for that game. Um, but can you tell us about like what one of your favorite fan interactions has been in this position? Because I'm sure you have dealt with any number of people in any state uh, while during a game. It's it's always crazy because it depends on the evening. The fan interactions during Hockey Fights Cancer Night are always special for me. And I, I've said this a bunch of times, that and then the where we honor the military. Um, I come from a family of people who have served in the military. And so that's always something that's close to my heart. Um, the one that always sticks out with me is when... Um, and this is good golly, this is going on close to 12, 13 years ago, I think, is when Ryan Salmons was having his battle with cancer. Um, he was a fan who um, he signed, a, he signed like a one day contract with the Blue Jackets. Um, but I became very close to his family. So and, and we lost Ryan uh, in May. I want to say it was 2009, if I'm not mistaken, 2008 or 2009. Um, but I, to, to this day, I remain close with his dad. So those kinds of interactions are amazing. Uh, There's so many and shame on me. I should be keeping a journal of of all of the things that that have taken place. But what's cool is all of those fan interactions, people will come back to me. And since I've been there for 18 years now, there will be an adult come up to me and go, Mr. Todd. And I always cringe when that happens because it means, uh uh-oh, this is going to be a back in the day story. Um, you know, Mr. Todd, you know, when I was a little kid, you interviewed me and you gave me a, a stinger stuffed animal or something. You know, those are cool. That, that's cool that, that, first of all, that, that we left that much of an impression on someone. And that brings you true joy, knowing that you have created, even if it's just a small impression on someone that they felt enough about it to kind of tell you about it. You know, that's, those, are the, those are the coolest things that, that stick, stick with me to this day. Yeah, no doubt. I remember I was telling Laura, I remember when I was a kid, I, I couldn't even tell you how old I was, but my dad and I start like my dad got quarter season tickets. And so I, one, you, you came up into our section one year and I remember like saying hi, trying to get your attention as you were running away to go do whatever Lord knows, like you said, going everywhere and everywhere. Uh, I think it was probably one of like the fifth line appreciation nights or something like that. So okay. you know, I, I told my dad, I was like, yeah, like we're interviewing Mike Todd. And he was like, oh, you remember when you tried? I was like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, no doubt. So, awesome. yeah, right. So talking about like experiences that you've had, like in this role, I mean, of course, as you kind of mentioned, you don't get the chance to to sit down and watch the games as they're happening always. But I'm going to throw a caveat to this question and saying that you can't say game four of the Tampa Bay series. What game has like stuck with you the most? What moment in Blue Jackets history has stuck with you the most um, and just kind of gives you chills to to remember? So 
the game that Nick Foligno scores the overtime winner against Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Now, here's the interesting thing. I didn't see the play. I was, and you'll notice at the end, at the end of the game now, hang on one second here. Um, so at the, at the end of the game, we hand out, the players hand out sticks and, and, and whatnot to, to throw to the fans. So I am behind the bench, right behind the bench. Uh, and I'm standing there with Todd Chirac, who's the head of PR for the Blue Jackets, and uh, Emily, who was on the, uh, on the promo team at the time. So we were standing there with, a, I don't know how many minutes left in regulation, where I think Doobie scored the, the, the game tying goal. So then after that, we go to overtime and I'm, I'm standing behind the, the bench and Emily is standing next to me. And all we hear is like this gasp, this collective gasp of the crowd and then a roar and the goal horn and it's deafening. It's deafening. And just the, the true level of excitement and joy of getting our first playoff victory at home, I think was just, it, it was, it was indescribable. You know, you can try and come up with as many superlatives as you want, but it's just that, that true feeling of accomplishment that, you know, here's another step we've taken as an organization. Here's another gift the fifth line has of a memory that they can think of. You know, those are, you know, that's, that's one of the games that, that really, uh, that really stuck with me. And then the other one is the first uh, opening night that I ever worked. I grew up in a small town in Ohio called Piedmont and never really knew much about hockey until I took a trip to Canada with my dad. And I was in, and this would have been like, I think it was 1980, 1981. I was in a gas station in Geraldton, Ontario. And I bought a pack of hockey cards and I remember buying them and then opening them up inside the gas station and going through them. And it's like, oh, Guy Lafleur, this and the Wayne Gretzky. Well, who's Wayne Gretzky? People in the gas station go, who's Wayne Gretzky? Everybody in that gas station proceeded to tell me the tale of Wayne Gretzky up to that point in 1981, which he hadn't, I mean, he was a superstar within the hockey world, but he hadn't become the international superstar that he would. So, they started telling me about this and they said, Oh, you should be an Edmonton Oilers fan. So I became an Edmonton Oilers fan just on this chance meeting inside of a gas station in Geraldton, Ontario. So I started cheering for them. And of course, after that, all the great things that they did an incredible story. So fast forward to 2003 opening night and we're playing the New York Rangers. I am in the penalty box with PA announcer Greg Murray. We're about to go out onto the ice in a little bit, but I'm there for warmups. Who skates right up to me but Mark Messier? And you know, we've all we've all had those moments where you're starstruck. And I can still he just he's kind of skated right up to me. I don't think we made eye contact or anything like that, but I'm, I'm just like I am standing less than two feet from Mark Messier. Uh, so that was a special evening, uh, one that I'll never forget. And it was just a preview of the amazing access that I would have to certain things and events. 
throughout my career so far with the Blue Jackets. But those those two games really, really stick out. Yeah, that uh, goal by Nick in that Pittsburgh game is one of the first clips that Jeremy ever showed me after I sort of like caught the bug. And he was like, here are some things that you need to know. <laughs> me Here's all the list. Sorts of things. <laughs> showed me, um, I don't think I was a fan when Zach got hit in the face with the puck. Oh, um, but he iconic moment. Yes, showed me the fan t-shirts that were made afterwards of how Zach's face looked. Um, all those, all those sorts introduced me to who Boomer was. I was like, interesting choice. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's, even though I wasn't a fan yet, that's definitely uh, a memorable game for me, just having seen that, uh, that clip. Um, but we, we, we've heard you tell the nice stories about fan interactions, um, but we can also imagine that there have probably, and it doesn't have to be a Blue Jackets fan, it could be a visiting fan to Nationwide Arena. Um, are there any like, you know, really telling kind of crap interactions that you've had with fans? There's one. What, what, what are the protocols for language on this podcast, by the way? Go for Whatever it. you want. <laughs> okay. So, um, so yeah. So, spoiler alert, Mike Todd is about to utter a curse word. Um, this is the one that sticks out to me to this day. And the funny thing is, like, people who I work with or used to work with will still text each other this phrase because we remember what happened. So, and I can't, uh, honest to goodness, I cannot remember the game, but we were, we were getting our butts handed to us. It was just one of those nights where it was, where nothing was going our way. So I'm heading down the back stairwell and there's this, uh, there's this couple that are leaving and I still wanted to be nice. And so I said, you know what? Hey guys, I thank you guys for coming out. Thank you so much. We truly appreciate you being here. And the guy looks at me and he goes, this is shitty. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, yeah, it is. I understand that. So, um, so now anytime that the jackets are having a rough night, some of my buddies and I will just text each other that phrase. And, and it's, it's funny because it, it happened one, one game this year where I, all I did was, and I actually did a video of myself and sent it to one of my friends who used to work at the jackets. And she was like, yep, I knew you were going to send that. Um, you know, so, you know, and you just have those rough nights where, you know, maybe you're not, I'm not doing my best job and, you know, and fans. And I think the thing is I've, I've learned over the years is that, especially when there's fans from other teams, that they start chirping at you, it's nothing personal. They're just having, they're trying to have fun with you. And, you know, you just either acknowledge them or you ignore them. And I always tell, especially the, the new promo members who come in, I was like, look, People are going to taunt you. They're going to call you names. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. Don't even acknowledge them. Just keep on trucking. They're there spending their money in our building so that, you know, we, and, uh, for a job that we get paid for. So don't take it personal. Just, just keep on moving. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's been a, a few interactions with, with people you're like, eh, I, I, I'd prefer that didn't happen. But, you know, for the most part, it's been, it's been a great positive experience. And even when the negative ones are, 
you know, they happen, you know, you, you look back on them and you laugh like that one I just shared with you. I'm thinking that you and your friends have to get in on some merchandise on, on a, this is shitty shirt. I think <laughs> it might, it might be one that you need to don a couple times here over the next couple seasons, potentially. So I, <laughs> if I can do a, if I can do a shameless, shameless plug for one of my buddies, Matt Pfeffer, he does uh, yeah. this 614 hockey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that, uh, that might be one of those, uh, that might be one of those bootleg t-shirts that never sees the light of day, but it's a great idea on paper. <laughs> no doubt no doubt yeah we are big fans of matt and everything 614 hockey i was just telling jeremy last night because we were recording our announcement video and i had my club mdz shirt on um and i was like we're still not sure if he's gonna be here next season so i should probably not wear it in the promo video <laughs> it's a good uh, you know what the heck it's a good one so obviously as you mentioned, like sometimes you have difficult fan interactions and I'm not asking you to like give an opinion necessarily on it because I don't want to put you in any sort of an awkward spot. But um, today, the timing of this is funny because today Aaron Portsline released a story that Brad Larson might be a front runner for the head coaching position. And I just wanted to know um, any of your personal interactions with him, if you've ever gotten the chance to, or any of the stories that you've heard from being around the team ever or being around the arena. I've been around Brad Larson a couple of times and he has been nothing but kind and affable to me. Um, I know that he is beloved by his players and I know that he is a great, I've, uh, the uh, Habitat for Humanity holds a, a 24 hour hockey game every year. I don't think they did it last year, obviously because of COVID, but the year before that Brad played in it. So I know that he is a first class guy, you know, and people are going to, you know, say what they're going to say. That's just, that's, that's the nature of things. That's just, just going to happen. Um, but any interaction that I've had with him, he's been nothing but wonderful. His family are wonderful. They're, they're good, good people. So, um, yeah, I've had nothing but positive interactions, interactions with Lars. He's a great guy. I love that. We say all the time on this podcast that we're like people first, po- like a people first podcast. We we're very, very empathetic as people. So those are the stories I love to hear. And those are the things that I love. Good, to hear. good. Yeah, absolutely. Laura, I'm going to throw it over to you for our fun one. We've got a fun one for you, Mike. This yes. has been fun so far. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a, this is a super non-hockey related fun. Oh, okay. Um, so since you are heavily invested into one of our favorite places, Dairy Queen, um, we want to know what your favorite go-to menu item is. Okay, well, if we're going to do a sweet treat and a hot eat, if you want. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. Okay, so let's go with, uh, let's go with the hot eats, first of all. And I'll tell you what, I put our hamburgers up against anybody's. Uh, And here's why I say that. I was just, I was out of town last week. And for the first time ever, I had an In-N-Out burger. And, And it was good. I enjoyed it. It was a very good burger, but I thought to myself, and of course I'm incredibly biased. I'm like, but you know what, you know, this, uh, this is, you know, Dairy Queen, Dairy Queen's burgers. You know, I, I, I'd put it up against anybody. So I would say our burgers. And then as far as the ice cream treats, I am a big fan of the Reese cup blizzard. That's my, that's my go-to. Now I get the mini cause I'm on, cause I'm, I've been on Weight Watchers now for about a year and a half so it's all about portioning 
Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll get the mini blizzard um, or um, we actually have these uh, dairy-free dilly bars now that are really good. It's made with coconut milk, so it's pretty delish. But there's so many things to choose from and I've tried them all. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's the simple things that, that I enjoy from DQ. Uh, but I tell you what, you can't go wrong with a peanut butter parfait either. That's Greg Murray, the public address announcer. That's his favorite dairy queen treat. He loves, he loves those peanut butter parfaits. So, but me, bur burgers and blizzards make me happy. You and me both. I've got to know on a scale of one to 10, how good are your like curly cues at the top of your cones? Mine? Yeah. 11. 11. I've got to see it. I, 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 I tell you what, you, you come, you let me know when you're around town and I will show you, I can make a curl. Now here's the trick. Um, it's nice that if you can make the ice cream cone and make the perfect curl, but if you can then take the ice cream cone and then dip it in like chocolate or something, pull it up and the curl is still intact. That's like scoring a hat trick. That's what that is. If you can make the curl and then dip it in the, in like the, if you take a vanilla cone, dip it in chocolate, bring it up. The curl is still intact where the, the cone dip solidifies and then you hand that out. It's, it's a work of art. How many have you lost into the chocolate dip? Like, I feel like that's all I would do is, is lose my, like the entire cone. Into There's a very scientific approach to it. When you first get the ice cream out of the ice cream machine and it's on the cone, you can feel the the weight of the ice cream and if it's a little on the heavy side and you dip it down you can kind of feel that so what you do is you take a red spoon and you kind of support the ice cream cone and you flip it over but yeah until i learned that lesson a couple of times you just you pull it up and it drops down you're like oh boy now what um but yeah it's it has happened a couple of times. And of course, when I hire the new ones and it happens to them, like, oh, don't worry about it. No big deal. It happens to everybody. Yeah, I feel like you've got to work it into the budget, the number, <laughs> number of codes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Trust me. It's, it's factored in. <laughs> well, we have had so much fun in this interview. Thank you so much. I want to end on the positive and just ask you what has been or like what is your favorite part about the job that you do at Nationwide Arena with the Columbus Blue Jackets? Developing relationships, um, whether it be with fans, with coworkers, uh, with people that I've met and I've worked with. I've been doing the NHL All-Star Game, the, the, mascot, uh, the mascot showdown. I've been doing that now for, for six All-Star Games, and they're going to have me back again, I think, when, when the All-Star Game is back in uh, Florida uh, this coming January. And I've developed friendships there with people, you know, who I've worked with there. Um, I'm, uh, I'm a friend with Greg Wolf, who is the arena host down in Tampa Bay. He and I stay in constant contact. And if you follow my Twitter feed at all, at Mike Todd 614 for all you kids out there, um, you know, especially now with the way the Lightning are performing, um, you know, I've developed a special relationship with him. If we play each other in the playoffs, uh, in, during 2019, he and I had a bet going and of course, you know, the jackets won. So he sent me some cigars, you know, last, last year during the, the bubble hockey tournament, the lightning one. So I sent him a bottle of wine. Um, but you know, it's all good natured chirping. So it's just the relationships that I've built with, with coworkers and with fans, you know, it's just, it's something special, something that we can all share. And that's something that hopefully lasts a lifetime that, that, the connections that we make with one another. Laura, you've only been involved in the, in the line now for, 
for a couple of years, but you will just, you'll be amazed at how many connections you make and how many relationships you build from just being a part of this. Well, and even just with um, starting this podcast, the how generous people have been with both Jeremy and I, um, you know, like Jeremy mentioned, we had Mark Scheig on, on the podcast earlier. He's the best. He's the best. He was, he was just so great. And um, Allison has reached out to us, um, Allison Lucan, especially. Love her. Love her. I, she was like, girl, I will help. I will teach you analytics because I really want to be a. Yes, student. she will. Yes, she will. <laughs> Um, but no, I have, that was one of the things that made me fall in love with, uh, the Blue Jackets. It's just the community and the, the family that exists around this team. And, you know, regardless of what's going on or who's behind the bench or who's on the bench, um, you know, we're Blue Jackets through and through. So, well, you know, that's, and that's the big point right there is, you know, especially being around for 18 years, like I have. You know, all of these things change, players, coaches, you name it. But the relationships and the experiences that we share with one another, that's what, you know, stays there forever. And I think that's that's a very important point that you make. Without a doubt. So you kind of alluded to it, but where can our listeners find you on social media? Okay, so on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Mike Todd, M-I-K-E-T-O-D-D, 614. Um, that's my main thing. I'm on, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. Uh, Instagram, I think, is the same thing, but I haven't posted on Instagram in almost a year. Um, so Twitter Twitter's the, you know, is the thing that, that I'm on the most. So you know, please feel free to follow me, uh, interact with me, taunt me, whatever. Um, I'm cool with that. Um, I do post cute pictures of my dogs. So, and uh, so, so that you know about that, but um, yeah, that's mostly Twitter at Mike Todd 614. Good deal. Well, we cannot thank you enough for this time. Uh, this has been great. So much fun. So we really do appreciate it. My pleasure guys. Thank you so much. And I'm happy to come back anytime. Sounds great. We'll have you for sure. I mean, wow. What an incredible interview with Mike Todd. I I well, I know I speak for Jeremy and I both when I say we were so honored to have him give up some time in his day to meet with us. Truly, we are both such huge fans. Um, absolutely just adore everything that he does, you know, both within the arena and outside of the arena. And we are definitely going to be visiting one of his Dairy Queen locations with some merch um, once we get that figured out. But truly, he is a gem of a human. He is truly a, a Blue Jackets legend. And we can't wait to have him back on the podcast. Um, yeah, just amazing. And, you know, I must have missed that clip with Dave Metzold about him being the person that did the, um, the synthetic sound, like the simulated crowd noise. You and I said it on the podcast, I think, that we felt like the Blue Jackets crowd noise was a lot better than some of the other places and who do we have to oh, thank 100 who do we have to thank for that other than mike todd so i listen i what in a, yeah you said it all you said it all um we'll let we'll let the interview speak for itself on this one we won't ramble on for too long but Laura, you got to do what you always do. We, I know we're with the hockey podcast network now i know we're presented by DraftKings promo code thpn but but we have to do what we always do. 
And that's to encourage all of you to follow us on social media. We are at Subjectively Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Our Twitter is blowing up and I love it every single minute. We've rebranded. Our Instagram is thriving as well. So please follow us there. Also, you can check out our brand new website if you're interested in learning more about Jeremy and I, um, our experience with hockey, um, and get access to a bunch of different content um, that we're going to start adding over the next few months. And that is subjectivelyspeaking.com. And as always, you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, um, whatever is your preference. Um, But especially on those Apple Podcast users, if you can scroll on down, give us a five-star rating, leave a comment. It helps us get noticed, um, and it truly means the world to us. So again, I know we say it all the time, but we could not would not do that, do this without all of you. So thank you so much. Um, and we'll talk to you next time. Absolutely. And you can also check us out on Facebook, subjectively speaking. And whenever we do go live, it's okay. No worries. And whenever we do go live, you can catch those live episodes on Facebook, on, um, Twitter. And then I also started a YouTube. I actually literally didn't tell you about this until just now we have a YouTube page, our intro to, um the hockey podcast network can be found on there too and we're getting that set up to be able to live stream on youtube as well so you you can find us real easy you don't even got to look all that hard not at all we are we are anyway y'all be safe be well and we will talk to y'all next time bye